Welcome to the Midlife Film Catch-Up, a podcast where we catch up on films that we've never seen before at this point in our lives. My name is Sam Turner. I'm joined by my colleague, Chris Jenkins. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would, hello, everyone. Was I a confidant one time? Yeah. Yeah. That was nice. Well, it's, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I have six confidants. Wow. No, four, four confidants. Yeah. yeah. Or consigliaries. I call them consigliaries. You saying you have six confidants reminds me of the phrase, never have anything in life you can't walk out on in 30 seconds flat. What, why? That's one for film, why does it... for film fans. Uh, heat, Robert De Niro. When the heat is on. Okay, but why does that? Why does six confidants remind you of that? I don't know. It just sounded like something like Robert De Niro might say, and I guess always it's, have. Always have what? Six confidants. Yeah, I guess it's also because you've got a mustache today. Yeah, um, I've um, I've had a, I had a bit of fun while I was waiting for you to join the Zoom call, and I've. I've added a moustache to to the to my face um, on in post production, but um, in production now in pro- it's not post production. It's, hap- it's happening right now, live, live production. Real, it's real time virtual reality. Yeah, it's it's like the like Avatar, the way of the water. It is like you're not painted blue though. No, but you have got one. I mean, they didn't have mustaches in Avatar, did they? No, but it's it's. So each week we watch a film that is new to us, starting from the year we were born and running chronologically through to the present day. Before the recording, neither of us know what each of us thought of the film, think of the film, Um, and this week it's episode eight of the midlife film catch up. Uh, we're into 1990, the 90s, the the decade of all decades. Um, Chris, tell me your thoughts on the 90s. Yeah, I mean, the 90s... I mean, we did explain the moustache is because of Zoom, didn't we? We did say it's like a Zoom effect, special effect. It's, it's not It's, not it's a Zoom effect that... Yeah, yeah, I haven't put a fake moustache on. In, in the room. Yeah. You haven't turned, um, you're not turned into a practical joker. No, 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 no would I ever. Um, but I can't take the moustache off now. So no. I'm hoping that I don't have any Zoom job interviews in the next, uh, not that I intend to, in the next few weeks. I mean, it was like, um, yeah, you haven't turned in, you're not going to start doing lots of like funny jokes with like whoopee cushions and stuff. No, this no. isn't going to be. I, this isn't going to be jackass. I had a ride in a Tesla 
um, last weekend, and that has like a inbuilt whoopee cushion feature. Yeah, that that yeah. My uncle David's got um, a Tesla. There's there's some really silly jokes that are inbuilt into the computer on it. It's it's uh, Elon. It's Elon Musk's personality, isn't it? Yeah, he, he's he's the worst person, worst kind of person. But we're not here. You asked me to talk about my take on the nineties. Mm. Um, I find it really hard to define what the 90s was I, you know you can define the 60s the 70s the 80s i think because we lived the 90s we don't see what it was and then when i speak to people at work who are a bit younger they're like oh that's so 90s mm. and i'm like what are they referring to because i don't really know what the 90s was yeah i think well i define it as the years 1990 to 1999 that's yeah, that that's a good one, I guess. It's an yes. interesting one. Um, but I suppose it's what is it? It's um, NBA basketball. It's um, space jam. Sp- space jam. Sp- space jam. It's Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, um, Spalding. It's Spalding. It's MTV Cribs. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, uh, Michael Jordan's playground, the VHS tape. Yeah, I mean, it's not just um, basketball, it's Lonsdale. No, sorry. It's Lonsdale. Yeah. Um, but Lonsdale, uh, I think Lonsdale became a term in the 2010s for anything that's kind of passe. People say it's in Lonsdale for things, yeah. I'd say it's retro. I mean, I guess if it falls out of favour, falls out of fashion, then it's passe all of a sudden. But I but wore the, Dun, Dunlop Green Flash for many, many years. And is that cool now? I think it's... I, I th- I'd say it's never not been cool, except for like maybe the 70s and 80s. But any time mm-hmm. after that, I, I think you're safe wearing them. I wore them until... I was thirty. Yeah. So, so, so when you say um, you can't, you, you sort of can't have an objective view of the nineties. Do you think of it as the best ever decade? No, I'd say um, probably the probably the sixties. Mm. Yeah. But the the further away from the nineties, well, I suppose the older I get, the more I think of the nineties as the best decade of your life. No, Ever. history. Why? Why mm-hmm. apart from NBA? Well, it, you know, it was TFI Friday. It was um, don't forget your toothbrush. I mean, you can't just name Chris Evans TV programs. You can't just name yeah. NBA and you can't just name Chris Evans stuff. I, I, I'm going to need one more thing. Danny Baker. Gabby Roslin. Own goals and gaffes on VHS. Did you have it? Did you own it? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I did have that one. My brother had a lot of um, football VHSs, but... I don't think he had. We um, we, we had we had Danny. That was our Danny Baker VHS, own goals and gaffes, and 
it was the only football video I could ever watch and can ever watch. What about Alistair McGowan's football back chat? I don't watch any output by impressionists, even if they've stopped doing impressions. <laughs> right, okay. Um, that's interesting. That's my life rule. I'm trying to think of... Um... Rule number two, never buy a kitchen gadget if you're not going to use it more than once a month. So I'm yeah, ne- I'm no, ne- that's, that's I'm, really good. I'm never going to buy an air fryer. But you could easily use an air fryer once a month. But I, I wouldn't. It would just sit there. It would, it would end up in mm. a cupboard. No, that is that is very sensible. But what I will put to you is Jim Carrey. Some a lot of people would count Jim Carrey as a impressionist that then became an actor. Yeah, yeah, true. I think of him more as an actor, but I guess that was a, his whole stand-up routine was impressions. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty bad. Um, maybe the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, him and did Freddie Starr do impressions? Uh, but what what of Freddie Starr's output do you watch now? Oh, I, I, in- I there's a clip of him I watch on YouTube where he um he, he pretends he's not miming to a song and the backing tape starts messing up and speeding up and slowing down and he and his body movement starts speeding up slowing down but the real art of it is it's not a backing tape he's actually singing and making his voice go fast and slow and making his body go fast and slow you are it's one of the best routines you'll ever see it's like chaplin-esque you know like the the, the, the physical gifts of charlie chaplin in you, in the 80s and 90s is he um a controversial character freddie star i feel like we have to yeah sorry um should have said that U tree he got i think he got arrested at the tail end of operation U tree and i think no charges were brought in the end, I think lack of evidence, lack of evidence. Um, yeah, so he's probably a. Well, you yeah, might, no, he might be a horrible person. This isn't this isn't uh, Judge Judge Judy, is it? It's not Judge Judy. It's not Judge Rinder. And you know the thing about Judge Rinder. You know he makes himself to be out, out a bastion of moral high ground, aka a judge. And he writes yeah. a column for the Sun newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. Scum. 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 Subhuman scum. 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 Sorry, before we start today, Sam, I mm. uh, just want to clear something up. You know, we started this podcast on the year 1983. Yeah, I do, yeah. And, you know, I was born in 82, so I nev- we never got to do my- the year. We never got to celebrate me. Celebrate my birth. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, and then, so originally you said it was um, a clerical error. Then you change your story and we got to the bottom of it and it was an editorial decision that the producer that you took uh, on behalf of us because you thought it would make a nice round number if the podcast ran from 83 to 2023. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
the year we're on today is nineteen ninety. How many yep. how many years do we have left for this podcast to go to twenty twenty three? Um give or take um give or take thirty three years. Thirty three years to go, aka thirty three weeks to go. Mm-hmm. How many weeks left? Uh, how many weeks are left in twenty twenty three? I'll put that I, to you. I, Oh, we run out of. I'll tell you. Oh, we run out of time. I'll tell you how many weeks we got left. We got thirty-six weeks left, and then okay, which you know doesn't give us much much leeway there. You got Christmas break, you got Halloween break. How Pancake days already. Pancake days already passed. We're not going to take a break for for Halloween. Your moustache has come back. Yeah, it's it's when yeah. It's when you it's when you put your hands over your face it disappears. Okay, um, yeah. I mean, all right. I mean, you know, we took a two week break earlier in the year when, but you only went to New York for one week, but 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 you took two week break. I'm just um, saying. I'm just saying. There's not much room in there for for a for error, or b for self care. You know, we are delving into our dreams, our hopes and dreams, our memories. Mm. There is not much wiggle room to take a week off, say, hey, do you know what, Sam? This is all getting too much. I need to I need to just take a cold bath. You know? So yeah. so thirty three so what I'm saying is for all your good intentions, well, not good intent for all your intentions, this podcast is likely to finish in twenty twenty four. You were born in 1984, and and this podcast likely going to end in 2020. You know, I don't believe in conspiracy, but I do believe, I do believe in cover-ups. Do you know how many um, games Shaq used to play in an NBA season? No. Well, a lot. Right. Yeah. Shaq is seven foot. Four tall. That's a lot of wear and tear on his um, on his ligaments. Yeah, yeah. What is that? Um, what is that? How is that? Well, what how I, is that I, linked? I think because I, I think what we should do is maybe record three or four episodes a week. I mean, I I, I have a seventeen month old who who wakes up. He's waking up at the moment four times per night. Mm. Oh, so we could do it. So we could do it in the. We do it through the night. No, it? no, you you misunderstand me. I'm saying I'm extremely tired, mm. and and I'm the one getting okay. up to feed him with the bottle. Emma doesn't feed him at night time anymore, so I'm an exhausted person. And mm. to even record one of these a week with editing, it's a lot. It's a lot, which I enjoy. But mm. 36 weeks to record 33 episodes, it's not a lot of time for um, cold baths. Yeah, well, we should look at it as a challenge, I think, shouldn't we? And what yeah. Shaq used to do was he used to have a, a he used to eat a, he used to take a painkiller, um, and then have a nap, and that just before the, before the game, uh, not... he said that made him feel loose. So maybe what was Chandler from that? Friends? What's his What's Chandler's real name? Uh, Matthew Perry. You want me to become the next Matthew Perry? 
No, I want you to become the next Shaq. Yeah, Matthew. I think you've got it in you to become the Shaq of uh, podcasts. A yeah. lot of people are saying this. Well, Matthew Perry um, got addicted to painkillers. You want me to be Shaq, but I'll end up being Matthew Perry. Right, okay. This is a long introduction, so I feel like we need to move on to the. Um, but let's. Um, I'll, I'll take. I, I, I'll take that away, and I'll. I'll. Um, I'll. Th- I'll. I'll think about it, and mm. m- maybe we can discuss it next week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not. A, I just want to be heard. I just want to be heard. <laughs> This week's this week's film is an angel at my table. Um, the 1990, 1990 film by director New Zealand director Jane Campion, and it's a uh, based on three autobiographies by the writer and poet Janet Frame. Um, an angel at my table is a triptych of um, three chapters entitled "To the Island." An Angel at My Table, and The Envoy from the City. Um, it's a story of Frame, who early in life suffered from mental ill health um, and was um, sectioned yep. in a, a psychiatric hospital um, and on the verge of having to go through a lobotomy. For, uh, she was ex- for a forced lobotomy she was um excused because her um book of short story published short stories won a uh, national national book prize um the film goes through from frame's early life to her success uh travels in europe and return to new zealand good synopsis that sam despite the moustache still being there. Yeah, I'll be honest, the moustache isn't making this any easier. Yeah, yeah. It is... Yeah, it's a good... This is a good trip dish, considering last week we had Jarmunch, Jim Jarmunch, doing Mystery Train, which was a portmanteau anthology film. And um, yeah. so he had his three stories going on. Mm. We've got our three stories going on in this one. And this was a good one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So straight into it. I'm getting good. I'm getting good vibes now. Are you going to ask your uh, new format question? No, I don't think that went very well last week. So I'm, I'm going to leave it. Would you recommend this film to Michael Owen? Uh, I, I, I would, but I, I feel like you misinterpreted the question so I don't feel like it's helpful to ask that question okay it, it became more of an attack on Michael Owen than it was a reflection on the film and I don't, I don't think that's helpful no we don't want to we don't want this to turn into throwing stones in glass houses casting aspirations it's not it's not Judge Ju- Ju- Judy it's not Judge Rinder Judge Dredd I am the law um, I, I, I really like this film as well, Chris. Um, I thought it was immersive. Right. I thought it was a masterclass in, um, I used, I put the notes, economical storytelling. Right. 
Why did you say that? Why did you say economical storytelling? Because um, I feel like it was, despite its running time, yeah. uh, I think it runs to two hours, hundred and two hundred thirty. Yeah, um, it was quite quite kind of fast paced, and it, there was there was a lot that it didn't show, and um, but interesting things that it did show. Yeah, if, if you if you're following me. Yeah, I, I am. Um, I um, I watched it in two sittings. How about you? I'm. Do you know what? I watched it in three, three or four sittings, and I didn't follow each trip ditch as a. I should have stopped there, but it's been a busy week. That's fine. That's fine. I watched the first two trip ditches. Um, and then watch the the last triptych on last night. You watched the first two and then the last one. Yeah. And and how was that? Um, I enjoyed. I I felt my fondness for the film growing in between the first and second sitting. So you had the the what we call on this podcast. You had the percolation factor. Yeah, positive percolation factor, PPF. What was the last thing you just said? VP? Uh, positive percolation factor, PPF. PPF, good, good abbreviation. Um, I thought you said VPN. I thought we were getting back onto VPNs. Um, no, but I'll tell you a bit more about I could tell you some things about that. Can you? Well, basically, we've got um, we've got listeners popping up in... Malaysia and South Africa. Really? Yeah. Do we think it's Mike Dolman again on the VPN, hiding his well, location? You can you can never be sure. Yeah. But do write in, Mike, if you still listen. It would be great to hear from you. To hear. It'd be good. It'd be good to get to get a writing. Uh, from well, Mike. we 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 had a writing this week. Oh yeah, yeah. A lovely man called Dan. Dan. Okay. Dan says, "Best podcast going. Really excited for the nineteen ninety eight year. See what you were both up to when I was born." Interesting. Thank you, Thanks Dan. Thanks very much, Dan. Thanks, Dan. We can't wait either to do nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that good year. Um, I've I've got a writing as well, actually. Okay. Um, a young man in um, Crosby called James. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to find it now on my. Uh, yeah, a tall, my, a, tall, a, a tall young man in Crosby. Yes. Um. So he said. You just opening up your email. You and so this is directed to me. You and Chris definitely have a good rapport as a presenting duo. I think that's important for a podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's um, without the context. That's like it's not effusive, but it's kind of analytical, constructive. Well, the context is he 
he, he did a write, he wrote in. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Does it, it was just that in the email. Uh, he said something before that, but yeah. Do, please do continue with the emails, guys. Love the write-ins. It's great to hear back from you. This podcast takes place in real time, mm-hmm. in real life, IRL. Yeah. Uh, I saw another writing actually about this film. So, um, um, a, a young lady, um, maybe Helen. Is Helen, she called Helen? Helen wrote in this week. Yeah. So she, so she's got some problems with this film. Yeah, um, the the film is about Janet Frame, who is a, a woman of ginger descent. Um, she has curly ginger hair, and um, my partner's sister in law Helen, who wrote in, has curly ginger hair, and she referred to this film as. With with a with a with a laughing emoji, as the bane of her life. How did you interpret that? Um, I assumed that she was um, of ginger heritage, hmm. um, and so that yeah, you, you can only describe as Janet Frame's ginger curly hair as her identifying feature. Um, yeah, so so I think I think Helen, who, who wrote in, was saying that uh, people would often bring bring that film up in front of her to say mm. you say it looked like her or something, which it doesn't. Janet, you know, she obviously doesn't look anything like the actors or Janet Frame, but because of the hair, people often cast aspirations. Yeah, I notice you're wearing a ginger coloured sweater. That's true. It is ginger coloured, yeah, yeah, or um, or orange, um, rust orange. Yes, yeah. What would you say? Who are the main ginger icons from Hucknall film film his film history, movie history? I mean, Hucknall must have had his own Moonwalker. Jackson had Jackson had Moonwalker. Prince had um, Purple Rain. Is that that's the Prince film? Prince had Purple it? Rain. Hucknall must have something. Yeah, so probably. I'd, I'd say set, I'd say set in a fairground. Maybe. Yeah, I'd say him. Who, who would you say? Problem child. Good choice. Was he? Was he? Ginger. Oh, oh yeah. Really. Yeah. Mm. Ooh. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Good well, it's a choice. hot topic. It's well, a hot topic, but let, let's stay on. Let's stay on. Um, we've got to stay on the subject matter. We've got to stay on the subject we matter. We do. We do this week. Janet Frame's kind of. So she gets taken into the psychiatric hospital as a result of her lecturer reading her um memoirs and he brings up the fact that she took a load of aspirin yeah yet we don't see that we don't see that yes happen do we no how how do you interpret that chris yeah we don't see that in the film the the le- her professor comes up to her she's training to be a teacher 
her professor comes up to her and says, I read your short story slash memoir. You say you took a hundred aspirin. I, I thought it was a great story. He really compliments her on it. And she says, yeah. But then he starts, and she's in love with him, by the mm -hmm. way. She's doe-eyed about him. And then he starts to think he's being a good Christian, I was going to say good Christian, a good Samaritan by quotation marks helping her. And what does he do? I mean, he ends up eventually putting her, sending her into psychiatric care. So yeah, what you said is we don't see her taking the aspirin overdose in the film. Mm -hmm. But I, and that was interesting. I was like, is it fact or fiction? But I did fact check it. And she did try to take her own life. Um, yeah. So that was based on fact, but it was just heart. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say heartbreaking. It was really infuriating that he, she was in love with him and he sections her. It, all, all the people around her in this film, they just do what they want with her. She's totally vulnerable shy, anxiety-ridden person. And every single person she comes, nearly everyone she comes into contact with has her own ideas of what she should do. And uh, often... Apart from her, apart, her sisters, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, Not obviously not every single person in the film, yeah. There's some good, she, genuinely good people who crop up every now and again. What were you going to say? Uh, yeah, I think it was quite sort of telling that they didn't show that bit of the story in the film. And then that's how it came out. Because it feels like she had a relatively normal upbringing. She was, you know, she was struggling with shyness. She was an awkward person. And then all of a sudden she's carted off into a psychiatric hospital. And I think that's that probably speaks to the way that she experienced it whereas if we was to see that scene in the film it would be dramatic we'd think oh well what what's that going to mean to her what's that going to mean for her whereas i think i mean I don't, I don't know the circumstances of her taking the aspirin but um yeah it was just it was just quite it was quite shocking the way it's quite quite sort of confusing and shocking the way that it came out or, or, but also quite sort of banal wasn't it the way that he sort of said oh how did it feel sick or aspirin? He just said something like that. And yeah, that was quite, it was actually a callous way of saying it. Wasn't it the way he said that to her more of like, he's curious about her rather than actually cares about her. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, every apart from, well, yeah, no, actually every male character in this film was a jerk off. Yeah. They were all really horrible. Um, well, yeah, I mean, are you saying it was interesting that they didn't show her taking all the aspirin because it would have given some ammunition to him sectioning her or, or like, them or them not? It kind of would, ex it would have explained it a little bit, wouldn't it? And, and it would have been a defining mm. moment in the film. You know, you, you can't have yeah. a moment like that without it being yeah. dramatic. Yeah. And, yeah. It would have given some reason. 
you, like you would have mm. for the man to do that to her but really that's beha- when she explains it to him through the form of a short story or a memoir and like it's obviously something that's taken place in the past and she's dealing with it through writing mm. and then for him to then interpret that as I need to take this person under my wing but you know he he really does the worst thing for her because for listeners spoiler are we going to start doing that that when they say spoiler alert it, it's it's in yeah. the synopsis of the film like you you would have known this before you watched the film he gets her sectioned and she's there for a total of 8 years in- she gets server 200 Doses of electric shock treatment over eight years, which I think works out at two a month. Wow! Yeah, let me just do. It's like yeah. those scenes in the film are like horror. Those that 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 institution that she goes into is horrifying, isn't it? And yeah, it's it's a dark time for people with mental health problems, and I think that's um, illustrated. Yeah, they're not cared for. They're just kind of. They're more just in sort of prisons, and and during her t- those eight years, she's diagnosed with schizophrenia, mm-hmm. and that was an interesting bit in the film because she has her quirks as a person, as a character, and then I'm watching it thinking, is she schizophrenic? Because then that might explain some of the quirks of her character, and it's only much later on in the film that you find out she was misdiagnosed as schizophrenic. Yeah. And she spent half her life believing she was schizophrenic as well. It, it made me realise that I don't know anything about schizophrenia. I, th- I think when I was, a lot of people had this this misapprehension, don't they? and I had it when I was younger, that it was like this, the split personality thing. And I've, yeah. not, a long time ago, realised that that's not the, reality of it but I don't really know what the reality of it is I think it's I think it's quite a sort of catch-all term isn't it but yeah I I I wouldn't want to say what I think it is because I I, I don't know either Mm. I don't want to Um, miss but I thought that as a kind of the portrayal of the cat it's just a a really I mean I call her a character but she's obviously a real person hmm um, but you you don't often see films where the protagonist is so genuinely awkward and shy. You know, there's there's like films where there's claimed to have shy characters and they've got issues with socialising and things like that. But I felt like that was really yeah authentic and the 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 last actor who plays her in the Last couple of uh, trip titches, Kerry Fox. Kerry, Kerry Fox. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, she was great. Um, yeah, like you say, she was she was a genuinely shy character in this film, like painfully shy. Mm. And every single interaction could just go could just go either way like it it, it could just nosedive on the whim of whoever she was talking to like if they were 
accommodating of her and gentle with her, she could have a normal interaction with them. So you could see that she was she was in there. There was someone in there mm. underneath all the la- all the layers. But then if someone was just a certain way, they would just totally overbear her and she would go with whatever their wishes were. Mm. Wouldn't they? Yeah. And you found that if she was if she kind of got on well with people, you'd really like celebrate that and you'd be really happy for her that she'd found people that she was genuinely connecting with. And then, I mean, there was some absolute, that guy, the, the Irish guy that she, um, yeah, has to live with in London. He was the worst character I've ever known in. Wow. I mean, he's a strong reaction. I mean, he, he, he probably did have mental health problems himself, didn't he? Um, yeah, I, but, I thought he was more. Well, I, I thought he was just a, like an sort of an idiot. But yeah, he was controlling as well. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah, really uncomfortable watch with the, his dealings with uh, Janet. I thought, and then uh, what, yeah, it, sorry, go on. No, you go on. Yeah. Well, I was going to move on to the Americans. Well, just that Irish guy, like the way he just kept. She was already a semi-celebrated writer at that point, and he kept just telling her she needs to get a job. Yeah. This writing, it was a bit soul-destroying, watching it. You just need to get a job. There's no money in this. and um, But he did have one of the best scenes in the film, which sure. was she'd had a night out with all these other artists and writers and had a good time. Mm-hmm. She came back to the boarding house and the Irish guy was waiting in her room and he said, I've been waiting up all night for you. Then he says kind of how much she means to him and then he gives her a tin of corned beef, which I thought was spam. And he says, this is for you. (laughs) That was a great moment. That was a great moment, yeah. And she takes that to Spain and then gives it to the Spanish... I think the nuns, the people that look after the mission place yeah. that she's staying in, pension. Were they nuns? Right, that makes sense, yeah. That makes sense now. Um, yeah, she gives it to the nuns. It was just a great scene. Me, me and Emma both turned to each other and went, was that spam? Did he just give a spam and say, this is for you? And that's like him sealing the deal. We're together now. Yeah, and she didn't. Yeah. She took it in a stride, didn't she? She took it in a stride. I mean, my uncle used to, my uncle Frank used to make crispy spam for me and my brother. Oh, lovely, yeah. That, that was another thing I didn't mention. So he'd give us, he had orange lolly ices. He had, he always had this really soft white bread, Hovis, salted butter, ham. He would do fry ups. We had scouse, but he would always slice spam, do it under the grill, get it crispy for me and Mike. That sounds lovely. I've I've never really. I'm, I mean, I'm sure I've eaten spam, um, but I've never had a period of my life where I've regularly eaten spam. I I don't like it uncooked. Some people have, well, ma- mainly Norm, have referred to me as a spam burner as a kind of play on the name Sam Turner. Mm. So maybe that's kind of. Made made me keep my distance. Sad. 
But corned beef, uh, I, I went through a big corned beef hash phase. Did you? Mm. Talk Cor- us through it. So it'd be corned beef, um, mashed potato, beans and cheese, and do my damnedest to get it get get a crispy. You know, I could I could have done with speaking to your uncle Frank really to get it to get a crispy yeah. texture to it. Yeah. Um, which wasn't easy, and it'd probably take me on average about an hour and a half to make um, corned beef hash, which I think is well above average. What sort of um, cuisine were you using? Ex- explain. Um, explain what, cuisine. What, uh, I'm not sure. I think we we frying it or grilling it. I think there was all sorts going on: um, boiling and potatoes. Uh, frying the frying the um, corned beef saucepan for the beans, I nearly swore then um, and then putting it under the grill to get its crispy finish I mean uh, and cheese, did I mention cheese? Cheese was on there as yeah. well yeah, like cheddar mm. not like gouda or brie oh no, no, no no, no. Um, I think what, what what Emma does when she makes potato cakes, so she's already got the mashed potato from the night before. Uh huh. She, she, instead of just frying the mashed potato, she kind of like adds flour to it and rolls it in flour, and then once she starts frying it, then she get you can get some crispiness then. Ooh, okay, that's a good that's a good. Tip. I don't know. I don't know if that if I'm talking any sense. I feel like in yeah. this film there was like a a, a real exploration of a, a topic that we've covered quite a lot on this podcast but bohemianism the the boho lifestyle yes um the bon vivant not the bon vivant the bohemian so you've got that character frank Sargent. yes um often wore a beret uh, so he and took a, and, a, and a sarong went at one point. Yeah, so he, so he's, so she, uh, this is before she goes to Europe, isn't it? Yeah, this is before yeah. she goes to Europe. This is when she's returned from the psychiatric hospital, and Frank Sargent, who's a fellow author, says to her, "You can't, you can't live in suburbia with all the nappies and the something or other. You got to live." So he lives in like a, out in the in the sticks. Um, and he is often shirtless. He's naked uh, sunbathing. Naked sunbathing. Um, B- bottle of wine. Bottle of wine's always open for Frank. Um, what she did you returns. Think? She's had eight years of psychiatric. I'm not going to say care. She's had eight years in a psychiatric war hospital. She's won that prize. She's released. And that guy takes her in, the bohemian, mm-hmm. and she has like a writing shed. And he's he's one of the only people that are kind to her. And and she says, I can't live off my sickness benefit. They've cut it off mm. despite being sectioned for eight years. They won't give, now they've released me, they won't give me any sickness benefit. And he said to her, well, you're a writer now and I'll look after you while you write. And that, And that was great. Mm. But her dad didn't take to. Well, it, it, he was shocked. Yeah, I don't think he'd seen many men in sarongs without shirts on. Well, this was pre Beckham, 
pre nineties. Yeah, yeah. Well, nineteen ninety it was made, but but it was set in set from nineteen twenty four to two thousand and four. Well, it's it set from nineteen twenty four to nineteen ninety because she died in two thousand and four. But the film right. it was made. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean Beckham, Posh and Beck's nineties. Yeah, Sarong, Sarong Gate, Dennis Rodman. Did he wear one? Uh, probably he was very androgynous. Is that why did you mention his name just then? Androg- androgyny. Is and, it, is, androgyny. Androgyny. I don't know anything about him. Um, he's got very close ties to North Korea. Yeah, he, he's didn't he try and swim there to try and he was having a mental health episode. Uh, I don't know about that. Oh. Um. Anyway, but but so two other sets of Bohemians in that film. Um, who was the other? One? Who was the other one? The 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 group that you refer to there, who she went on a night out with, and they were, and one of them said, "Oh, I've chosen my publisher, Faber, Faber and yeah, Faber." Yeah. So they were bad Bohemians. So Frank Sargent was a good Bohemian. They yeah. were bad Bohemians. Yeah, and, they were posers. And then yeah, you've got yeah. the Americans. In Spain, in, in, in yeah, Ibiza. Ibiza, yeah, and they also, they also were a bit annoying. But then they were the only people who took her in a little bit, and she had a romantic relationship with one of them, her first ever romantic relationship. Yeah, and this this is definitely a a positive of the film that I hadn't thought about. Th- those Americans were definitely annoying, but. They weren't necessarily bad people, were they? They, they, they were no. quite. They were. They were what, some of the few people in the film that were good to Janet, despite the guy who she had the love affair with, kind of taking off and going back to America. Yeah, but that's kind of the realities of love, isn't it? Like those, you know, those those holiday romances or you know things when where you know it's going to come to an end well this that, is that, maybe this is maybe yeah. central to what campion or what um frame wanted to say about bohemians she was she was living as a bohemian so she you know she was quite set in ibiza i don't think she saw it as a holiday she's just she saw it as a phase of her life maybe whereas that yeah. guy was on holiday in ibiza then going back to his job as a Professor in um, in the US, in America. Mm. Yeah, good point. Good point. He he saw it as a fling, and she was probably deeply in love with him. Mm. Yeah, and there was a, another heartbreaking scene during that period in Ibiza when there was a guy who picked her up from the ferry. Oh God! Yeah. Mm. and he was friends with those bohemian posers in london and he sorted out a place for her to stay in ibiza and um then he just abandoned her and then she saw him at a cafe later on and she went up to speak to him and he completely blanked her it was a complete jerk off it was king of the jerk offs like he didn't even she was saying something like i've settled in now and i've done this and that and i got my luggage back he literally doesn't say blank a word face, to her. Blank face. And then when she walked away, he said, "I can't believe there are people like that, or something." I didn't. I didn't yeah, realize there were people like that. He said, "I didn't realize there were people like that who are actually that nervous." 
Mm. I was like, yeah, she was, but you were completely, complete jerk off. Yeah, it would make a lot of people nervous. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think, yeah, it, it was it was kind of against the odds sort of story, wasn't it? She, like, I'm, I'm surprised she, in real life, I'm surprised she is, she lived, she lived until she was 79. I'm surprised she lived mm. and she wasn't lobotomized and, and and sectioned permanently just because the way she was treated and like i thought one of another amazing horrible scene was days before her scheduled lobotomy a doctor comes up to her and says um you're we're gonna release you you've you've just won a literary prize we're gonna release you and he says it the way he says it. It's like it just shows how shallow everyone is. Yeah, it? and the complete like how arbitrary it is that someone should go through such a thing. So have, yeah. there's a reason for her to go through such a thing, and there's a reason for her not to go through such a thing, and that's because she's been recognised by a group of judges for a, yeah this prize and the amount of people that would have gone through that and yeah it's yeah it's uh it's it, 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 it's an amazing story isn't it yeah definitely it, it just from what you were saying then it just puts on under the microscope how society deems people who are mad mm. and how and how it treats them yeah um it, yeah it's, it was horrible but interesting it's made me want to read some of uh, her books. Yeah. Maybe sure. the next series of this podcast could be reading a book every week that's released in a year of our lives. Yeah, that's a that's that's a we we we, we have to read a book every week. Mm, yeah. 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 I mean, but we could have a rule that it, the books have to be under five hundred pages. That's that's quite. That's still. I think that's still quite a lot. Yeah. Okay. I was. You know. I could probably manage. A stretch like this is not even joking. At a stretch, I could probably only manage like twenty pages a week. Yeah. yeah in my that, current state, I think if we did, Un- unless it's a lift, lift the flap book. I'm, I'm doing a lot of lift the flap picture mm. books at the moment. I don't know if we'd be, find a lift the flap book for every year of our lives. I think that's that's where we'd struggle with that um, premise. We 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 would, but yeah, it'd be hard to get a hold of them. Mm. And you, you can't look at a lift the flap book on the internet. Yeah, no one's done a Netflix for lift the flap books. No, no. Janet Frame probably hard. could. Janet Frame could find one. She could probably write one, couldn't she? She could write one, definitely. She, I mean, that's the thing. She was obviously gifted. Mm, well, the, the, incredibly the, gifted, yeah. And yeah, and I and I and I see. I feel like that's the reason why she was sent sectioned and why because of her sensitivity the, to the world. Because of her sensitivity to the world and. 
but people just couldn't comprehend that she was gifted because of a number of things like the the working class family background the the poor the really poor mm. background so that's up against her oh we can't accept that you're gifted there must be something wrong and that's shown at the beginning where she uses her father's money to buy chewing gum for everyone in their class mm-hmm. do you remember and then the teacher absolutely villainizes her for it and says she stole it and then the and then the second thing is her appearance like she was short and big and she had a big mop of ginger hair so she was ridiculed for that rotting and teeth and so people and teeth, a problem with decaying teeth and stuff like that. So, like, people were it just, like I said before, shallow, just judging her on all those initial things. And and it's like, oh, that person's gifted. They must be crazy. They must be mad. Then it wouldn't even occur to them that they were gifted. Yeah. If um, So if we could say that Janet, if we were to... Put Janet Frame's sensitivity to the to the world on a scale of one to ten. Say that's ten. What would you put your sensitivity to the world on that scale, and how would you put my sensitivity to the world on that scale? I, I don't believe we. Sh- I don't believe we should rate. I don't believe we should numerically. I don't believe in ratings. In- interesting, because you've been quite a. T- quite a strong proponent of, of ratings up until now. It's, it's well documented. I don't, I mean, if you look at China, what China are doing right now, they are assigning a credit. You know how in Britain we have a financial credit rating. Mm. China are doing a credit of your entire being. Oh, how, yeah, how good a citizen you are. So you're tracked on the the things you spend, absolutely everything you do, all your activity is monitored. And they give us, I think it's called social a social credit system mm. where they deem how good a member of society you are, how you're fitting in. So I, I, what you're proposing is a rating what was the what was the rating for again? Uh, sensitivity to the world. And what, I'm giving a rating for how how sensitive Janet was. No, no, she's ten. So we're saying right. that Janet is ten. Right. We're saying that Michael Owen is zero. You'd say Michael Owen is not sensitive to the world. Um, your this is your caricature of Michael Owen. I mean, I'd 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 say he's quite similar to Janet Frame. He's gifted. He's a gifted footballer. Uh, if he didn't have the football, what would Michael Owen be doing? Yeah, but I don't think he uses football to express how he feels about the world. I think he does. Interesting. I'm not someone who likes football, but even I can see that that, that that's how footballers express themselves. Yeah, I think some foot. I think um, let's not let's not go there. Gascoigne. Gascoigne. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gascoigne. Yeah, yeah he's, Come on. He's, he's, Janet for, he's a Janet from football. Definitely. Definitely. Mm. Um, so can I ask you one of the questions that we ask every week on the podcast? Of course you can. I just, I just, you'd say Janet was a 10, mm. but what was your question? 
Um, what would your rating be, and what would my rating be? All right. I, 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 I'm. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm, I'm an eight. Mm. Yeah. What are you? Yeah. No, I wanted you to give a rating. Oh, for sorry. Me. All right. You, you, right. You do me then. Uh, eight. You, your sensitivity to the world. You, you vary. Some days you're four, and some days you're nine. Wow. Yeah. Some days that, four, some days nine. Yeah. I can tell. I can tell. I can tell within a few minutes of seeing you what it's going to be that day. And what would you say it's today? 14th of four, April. Four. Four. Today. Mm. You, you, you're not, you, you're doing well today, so you're not that sensitive to the world. Oh, so, uh, so you're seeing it as a, as detriment to living, having that level of sensitivity to the world. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Some people can go and sit in an office five days a week lit by fluorescent bulbs with the same smell. Some people can do that. Who's, I don't think they have. They, sm- they smell or? No, they- the office smells. I mean, I'm not it? saying it's smelly, but it's got a smell to it. It's got an atmosphere. Mm. It's got a smell to it. Do you, pre- do you prefer to experience a variety of, of smells every week? <laughs> Yes. I can't go into an office five days a week with that lighting, with those people, with those same awkward social interactions, the sounds, the silences, the, the, the big explosions of conversation, the, 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 the same smell each day. Yeah, I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. What about you? And you're, you're in witness but I only, I mean, I your, wanna... your, your, your office is in witness as well. I mean, do, have you ever smelt witness? Yeah. Well, I've been to your office once. Oh, of course. Did you, did you, did you smell witness? So witness have got um, a, fam- a famous scent because of, um, I can't remember what it is. It's not, a, is it's it, not a... is it rapeseed oil factory? Could it could be. Yeah. There's, there's one in Waterloo as you go into Crosby and that's got a really, Real distinctive pong as you cross over. Yeah, Seaforth. Sorry, Seaforth. Anywhere. So, but you know, you're in a witness office two days a week, one day a week. How, how, what? How? How do you find it? Uh, one day a week's absolutely fine for me. Yeah, I, I like the yeah. I like the breaking routine. If anything, I struggle being in, in my house three days a week. Okay. The smells in my house. Are probably more consistent than the smells in your house because of the child, yeah. Okay, just that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and yeah. um, no, I, I was I was thinking that Emma's making spam fritters, but that's that's uncle, uncle Frank, that's uncle Frank. Let's go to um, some of our uh, key uh, features in the podcast. Three favourite things. Go on, Anya. Of the film. Mm-hmm. Number one, tin of corn beef. This is for you. <laughs> Number two, 
opening gambit, I know how to cure warts. Do you remember that? No. Who was that? It was when she was a child. A, a little girl came up to her and her opening line, she became a good friend of hers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Opening line, I know how to cure warts. It, would you say that? I mean, as as middle-aged people, it's hard for us to make friends as it is, but would you say that to someone? Uh, in order to? Become their friend? No. Because what well, because you, I don't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be true. What would you? What would you say you do know how to cure? Um. What? Good question. Uls, um. Ulcers. What? How? Salt water. Great. So you would say, what's the full sense? I know how to. I know how to cure ulcers. Yeah. Number three. The third favourite bit was the man doing a bit of bad acting on the ferry. <laughs> do you remember that? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, because it stuck <laughs> out because there wasn't any, there wasn't really any other bad. Uh, there was, yeah, there was no, there were there were patches of bad acting, wasn't there? So the, the ferry wasn't moving; it was a really calm sea, and the man was trying to act like the ferry was swaying, and he was going from side to side of the boat. And who, who was he? He was a waiter. A badly dressed waiter, because he wasn't dressed like a waiter. I thought he, I thought she was like with him on the ferry. I thought yeah, she was, I w- he was. I, he no, was her. I had the same question. Same <laughs> question. I was like, "Who's this guy? He doesn't look like a waiter, but why is he bringing a cup of tea to her?" Yeah, I mean, the boat was not choppy. It wasn't choppy sea, and he was going for side. It was really bad. But I, I, but I believe that was probably. I think um he'd been told to do it. He'd been told yeah, to do it. Campion yeah. Jane Campion, the director. I think she's got a cheeky side. I, I do. I think she's got a cheeky go on, side. Go on. Go um, on. Well, there's just certain instances in the film where you thought, hang on, you're you're slotting a bit of comedy into this. Well, yeah, I mean there was got, a yeah, very the spam, fun, the spam bit the, for it. The spam. And there was another funny scene, but I'll I'll let you do your three favourites. Um I'm going to struggle with three favourites, you know. All right. Chocolate Gate. Remind me. They go and stay with an auntie. Oh, yeah, she, yeah. She has trophies for Highland dancing. Yes, yeah, yeah. Great stuff. They, 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 they eat all... They secretly she, she, the, the, the fudge, chocolate fudge. Well, chocolate's not it's not fudge. Is it not? No, it's chocolates. But do you not get fudge... <laughs> What do you, Highland toffee? You, you might you might get one fudge toffee in a yeah. Highland toffee. She doesn't get given. I mean, we know what Highland toffee is. That was a mainstay of our childhoods. But she, you know, if you saw their boxes of chocolates, you'd see a Highland toffee if it was in the film. <laughs> it's so distinctive. It's a it's a rectangle slab the size of. Samsung Galaxy with squares <laughs> about half an inch thick. But the, that, that's a mm, but they're always in tartan. Oh, tin, are you talking tins. about the Tempe? Are you talking about the Tempe bar of Highland Toffee in the white wrapper? I, I believe that Highland Toffee comes in all shapes and sizes. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. It does. 
It does. Perhaps, we would have seen it if it was higher than top. Perhaps go a on. metaphor. <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> you, you're confusing the listeners. She get the ante wins prizes for Highland dancing and she keeps the boxes of chocolates she gets given in the cellophane. There's no Highland toffee because we'd see that. Okay. I mean, yeah, I they, suppose it's open they, to interpretation, isn't it? No, no. Have you ever seen Highland toffee come in the size of a full box, a full those boxes were the size of a milk tray box. Mm. You wouldn't give someone a box that big that was only full of Highland toffee. No well, one could eat that much. No one could eat that much Highland toffee and enjoy it. Highland toffee comes in either a ten p bar with a white wrapper with two tartan flourishes at either end, or it comes in a see through packet. A slab the size of a Galaxy Samsung. Two questions for you. Yeah. Um, have you ever eaten Scottish confectionery from the 1950s? Second question. Have you ever <laughs> taken part in a Highland dancing competition? I mean, you, you know, you know, I can't answer those questions. You so know I'm what putting, my answer. I'm putting it to you that in 1950, in the 1950s, Highland toffees came in the form of what we're saying now. Oh no, sorry. My second question was actually: I mean, Have you ever heard of such a thing as Highland chocolate? All right. Let's put it this way: You see them open the boxes and eat all the chocolates. You see the chocolates. Are you saying that? Are you honestly saying that? It, it's another form of Highland toffee that's in the shape of a seashell and and then covered in chocolate on top to disguise it. The the thing they most closely resembled, those 1950s Highland chocolates, well, I don't know if they're Highland chocolate. The, the, the thing they most resembled was Gillian. Gillian. Gillian, the seafood chocolates. Mm. Belgian chocolates in the shape of, shape of seashells. Yeah, Bel- it's a ma- mouthful. All this. <laughs> I'm gonna have to bleep that out. Okay. But yeah, I think we need to. I think we need to move on, Chris, because I, I do feel like this is a yeah an, another shoot. epic. Um, it is another epic. What would you do if you were the protagonist of this film, Janet Frame? If I was a protagonist of this film. Well, let's just clarify for listeners, it's set in New Zealand. Last week you said Australia. I did, yeah, and I, I've got to, I can only apologise. The director's from New Zealand, this author's from New Zealand, the film's predominantly set in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would just... I'd say a character in this film was the sea. The sea cropped up in it quite a lot, and <laughs> sorry, I'm not saying I would choose... <laughs> that character to be. I'm just saying I would make more of the sea. I would go swimming a bit more. Right, okay. What would you do? Do you not do you not know any uh do you not know any tourist uh hotspots in New Zealand? Well I'd go to um 
I might I might hop over to Australia and go to Hanging Hanging Rock or Table. Where's Table Mountain? Is that South, South Africa? Africa. All, all I go to group. Hanging Rock and have a picnic. And um, I'd go to Sydney Opera House. Mm. I'm not saying I don't know anywhere in New Zealand. I'm just saying, I'd, you know, that's, I'd go to Australia. Good. Good. I'd I'd do the Hobbit tour, Lord of the Rings tour. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this was. This was about 60, 70 years before that film. It was written, the books have been written. Oh, I mean, this timeline is very, very tricky, isn't it? Because you've got Tolkien writing his book, you've got Janet Frame yeah. writing her book, you've got Campion making her film, yeah. you've got Peter Jackson making his film. Yeah. It's almost like Highlander. Is where they jump back in time, time yeah, travel. Yeah, and I think that's what I would do if I was Janet Frame. I would try and imbue myself with the powers of Highlander um, in order to experience the different eras of New Zealand. Would you wear a kilt? Yes. Well, J- Janet Frame's family, actually, of, yeah. of well, obviously, of uh, Scottish descent. They were, they were. But, you know, would you carry a broadsword like Christopher, what's his name? What's the main actor? I don't know. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. In Highlander, would um, you have a broadsword and yeah. a kilt? Yes, yes. And would you say there can be only one? Yes. Christopher Lambert. And I just also want to clarify for the listeners that during the editing of last week's episode, Sam and I continually did this sound. Both of us were going all the time. And um, I think we were infected by some kind of shared madness. I thought that was only you. Was that me as well? It was definitely you as well. I was doing it all the time, and so were you. Some kind of folie, in French you'd say a folie de. Folie, folie what? Folie à de, madness of two. So if you hear us in this episode going... Right that's because that's uh, because we can't be bothered to edit them all out again. But I think there's only a few. Good. Ratings. I'm gonna give cinematography ten out of ten. Filmed double. on sixteen. Pardon. Go on. Sorry, I was just gonna say double thumbs up. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, filmed on 16mm, lovely grain, lovely patina, lovely colours, shots beautifully composed, lots of tracking shots. Just like a little bit of a gothic flavour and everything. Lots of darkness. 
and each shot was a bit like a painting. It's really nice. Production value for money. Oh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going for it. Five out of five. So, Mubi, are you a Mubi member? Mubi subscription, ten ninety nine a month. So, four or five quid more than Netflix. Expensive, but the quality of the films is second to none. And what they did with the budget, and I don't even know what the budget was. They did a brilliant job of making it look like like a brilliant film. It was filmed for TV. I mean, that's really wow. Yeah, it was shot in three three parts for TV. Then they put it together as a film and submitted it to festivals, and it came second in the Venice Film Festival. But you think of a lot of things that are made for TV back in nineteen ninety; they looked awful. This was shot on film, and it was it was beautiful. Last of the Summer Wine, Darling Buds of May. Mm-hmm. Thin blue line. Yeah. What's the one with Martin Clunes? Not Membian Badly. Don't. Is it Goodbye, Mr. Chips? I'm not, I'm not sure. Dr. Martin. Uh, that's it, Dr. Martin. I think Goodbye, Mr. Chips was a one-off special, ITV special. Yeah, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Um... And it was what, it was a thing. Sorry, it was what I was expecting from um, after seeing the power of the dogs uh, with Benedict Cumberbatch. I was expecting power. top power of the dogs. I was expecting yeah. top notch uh, cinematography. Yeah. But we should really give the um, director of power photography a shout out of the dog. Power of the dog. Yeah. Well, this, yeah, a great. I mean, what was his name? I got a feeling it was Peter. Peter, Peter Dryborough. Hmm. It's a it's a bold stab. It's a bold stab. <laughs> what did we say? <laughs> Peter Dryborough. <laughs> Peter Dryborough. Yeah, Stuart Dryborough. Dryborough. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Not bad. Yeah, I mean, I was at, when it was my 21st birthday party, um, a family friend's boyfriend sat next to me and, I, and I, at one point, and I said to her, I said to him in front of everyone, it is Stuart, isn't it? And that, that wasn't his name. <laughs> and why do you think he, you thought he was called Stuart? Yeah, he, just looked, he just looked like it. And what does a Stuart look like? Who's the archetypal Stuart? He was... A bit, I don't know. He just, he just looked like, he just looked like one, you know. And I don't want to say, no. And yeah, it, 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 a lot of other people found it funny, but maybe not, maybe not Stuart or me. So um, he wasn't called. He wasn't importantly. He sorry, wasn't called he Stuart. Was, sorry, if he, if you're listening, he wasn't called Stuart. And third category is story. And for this film, I'm going to give the story. going to give it 100%. Yeah. 100%. It was all there. It was complete. You know, really loved it. It was, And it was a film that I could watch with Emma and she was just drawn in immediately and fell for it and loved the film. 
but when we watch something like Mystery Train, you know, it's a bit mm-hmm. cool, a bit detached, and and I wasn't even into that, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say this: out of the eight films that we've watched, this is the film that I would recommend to anyone. This is the only really? film. Yeah, I'd recommend to anyone. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Great. Great. So far, you know, I, I, I'm yeah. hoping that yeah there'll be more like this. Yeah. Okay. So 1990, the birth of the 90s. We're talking rave. We're talking. Um, the post-collapse of the Berlin Wall, reunification. Yeah, you keep bringing that up. Well, you know, it was big news, wasn't it? Reunification. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I wasn't following it. I wasn't following it at the time. Okay, I was going to ask you how you how you celebrated. I wasn't following it. You did that noise then. Sorry, listeners. Um, okay, so what were you doing? You were born in 82. I'm going to say that you were eight this yeah. year. Great yeah. age. Great age, eight, I, I always think. Is it? Mm. Uh, okay, so we're still in Moorside Close in Crosby. I'm, this is like from from eight to 12 I'm just really hazy. Um, happy memories, but n- nothing significant happening because we're just staying at the same address. But can you not pin it to um, the class that you're in, that you're in, and the teacher that you had? I'm no, it a lot I mean, we had Mrs. A- Mrs. Murphy, Mrs. Abbott. I don't remember the others. Um, All in I one will year. say that. Pardon? Oh, you had three teachers in one year. No, no. I mean, I'm just, they're the only teachers I, I can remember from primary school. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Okay. 1990. Um, so this film has a woman of ginger heritage. Um, I I was, one of my best friends was called Chris Real Smith. And he was ginger. You, you sound like you're a racist defending them, themselves. I'm not. I'm not I'm what have not, you said I'm about not, Mick, Mick Hucknall? I lo- I, I have, love, you, have we been disparaging I about Mick, Mick Hucknall? I love Mick Hucknall, so I can't be. I can't be. Mick Hucknall's one of my favorite against gingers. Yeah, Mick Hucknall's one of my favorite singers, so I can't. I can't be anti ginger. But that doesn't mean that you, Chris Ray Al Smith, can necessarily un- understand the their life experience does it no i couldn't i couldn't understand his life experience but i just wanted to we had a really good friendship so he he lived at the end of fourfield lane his mum and dad were nurses irish nurses and uh he had a sister called sinead 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 and she was on a dialysis machine all the time. She had it in her room. Chris was like, uh, he had glasses, he was ginger, and he was quite slight and small. And we were into 
like quite geeky things. Um, he he really liked his Spectrum computer, playing games on that. And his mum and dad had a video camera. We used to mess around with that. And he got me into Meccano. Uh, did you ever use that, play with that? Um, I, yeah, I had Meccano, but I saw it as a little bit unnecessary, really. Why? Um, there was a box of it at my grandma's house. It was nuts and bolts. I'd rather just get on with the Lego. Yeah. Just, you know, just get on with the Lego. Maybe that means I was more, I'm more sort of comfortable with bricklayering than I am with, um, engineering. You're a bricky. Yeah. You're not the structural engineer. You're the bricky. Yeah. So I would be above you. Um, yeah, but I, you know, you, you'll be nowhere without me. Yep. You, you wouldn't be able to build a house, would you? I'd I'd tell you what I'd tell you how to build it, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You know, if there was a revolution, we'll cross. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just, just remember we just remember we were good friends. Um, yeah. So he got me Meccano onto that, and but the most mm-hmm. important revelation he got me onto was. Cheese toasties, cheese and ham toasties. Talk to me. Right. I have very, really happy memories of going to his house and playing all the time. We were we were really good mates. And Chris, if you're listening, um, please get in touch. It'd be great. No longer in touch? I've, Not I, on I've, a social? I found him on Facebook, but I haven't pulled the trigger and added him. Mm. Because okay. I I didn't remain in contact with any of my friends from Liverpool when we left later on, um, and I haven't got back in touch with any of them since I got back here because I was really young when I left. Um, yeah, but cheese and ham toasties. Um, but yeah. what I'm asking, what I want to know is, did he have a Breville? No, just a probably your, your bog standard Argos. Toasty machine, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we we had one. I think I don't know, but we never used to use it. You know, let's put it that way. But every week, how long how long did you have it for? I, you know, I don't even know if we had one. I'm not even sure. Mm-hmm. We might not have. But every week, well, you would have had to get rid of it, wouldn't you? You'd have to get rid if you didn't use it within a month. Yeah, I mean, my, if you don't use those kitchen gadgets more than twice a month. They don't deserve to be in your house. We do have a toasty maker now, and we use it quite a lot. Twice a month. I make sure of it. I've thrown away two tagines in my life. Do you sometimes find that you get into the last two days of a month and having to eat back-to-back toasties just to... yeah? get around your rule yeah it's like this podcast it's like you know i had a 48 hour rental for um mystery train and i watched it all in the last 47 hours while eating while eating cheese toasties yeah while eating cheese toasties but what i loved about his house was 
we would eat them without fail. Mm. Without fail. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I love to eat the same thing over and over again if I like it. I don't need variety. Very so you don't get sick of things? Not if I love it. And I love that knowing that we would have that every single time. It, w it wouldn't be wouldn't be something weird that I didn't want to eat. Like they wouldn't just like give me baked beans all of a sudden. It's like cheese and ham toasties and like we would Did make them. I think I guess the fun is that we would make them. Okay, we'd get, yeah, we'd yeah. get the stuff out of the fridge, we'd construct it, we were cooking, you know. Good times. Isn't it funny that um you know there'd be there'd be a time of life where you thought, oh this is great, I'm having these every time. And then there was the last one that you had. Pardon? There was, a, there was a last toaster that he had at his house. Ah, oh, I never thought about that. There was a last time, yeah. And you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have known it at the time, would you? I wouldn't have. I, 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 of all the people I would like to reconnect with would be Chris Rayal Smith. Um, there was Colin Antwistle. There was um, Chris the Hopkins. Ox. But I wouldn't, I'm not that bothered about them. To be honest, Chris, what's he called? Chris Rayal Smith. Yeah, real with Chris an e, Ray real with an e on the end. Right. Okay. It's a cool name. Yeah, I used to. I think he used to get stick for it, called the Real McCoy and stuff. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's worse nicknames, isn't there? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So you've talked about a friend with red hair. Um, on a week where we've covered a film about a woman with red hair. Yeah. Is that, mm. is that bad? No, I think that's, I think that's nice bit of synchronicity. Okay. Good. Good. I'm trying to think if there's any people with red hair in my primary school class. I'm sure someone will write in if I'm, if I'm forgetting someone, but. I'd... Yeah. Please do write in folks. Fiona Warner. Fiona really? Warner had red hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the year 1990, uh, class two, if my um, maths is correct, Miss Grantham's class, my two two big memories, two vivid memories from this year, school year, um, Neville Atkinson fainted in an assembly um, and I broke down because I was worried that I was going to faint. In tears. In yeah. I was, I, I was so shaken up. So we were in assembly, Neville Atkinson had acted up. So he was told to stand at the front of an assembly and face the wall. Oof. And then we were all um, concentrating on whatever was going on in the assembly. And then all of a sudden, bam, Neville, Neville had fainted, hit the floor, hit the deck. And I'd, I was so shaken up. I think I made it out of the assembly hall, the the gym, whatever it was, back into Miss Grantham's class, and I, I broke down in floods of tears. Uh, everyone was crowded round round me. No one knew why I was um, crying. And I remember I was trying to get the words out. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of fainting. I'm, I'm afraid of fainting. And uh, I saw that Norm had picked up on this. He'd heard my, he'd heard my pleas. 
he went to Miss Grantham and said, listen, he's afraid of fainting. Was he dosing at the time? Was he microdosing? Um, well, it showed a sensitivity to the world. I think that he he understood my plight, and I don't know if microdosing from microdosing you can you know, it improves your sensitivity. I think it does. Sensitivity I, th- I, th- to the world. I think it does. But he was um, eight years old, so I'm gonna the you know it's un- it's unlikely that he was. The the psych the second psychedelic renaissance hadn't really taken foot just yet. No, the second summer of love. No, was that? Yeah. So, uh, so, so it was a chain reaction of events. You broke down, and mm. you man- and you said the words, "I'm afraid of fainting." Mm-hmm. And then Norm, that wasn't getting through. That wasn't the message. Wasn't getting through to people to the teacher. But Norm helped you out by going up to the teacher and said, "Look, he's afraid of fainting." He did. A, he did. A, yeah. He did. A, he did you a solid. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, not for the last time. Pardon? Not for the last time. No, no. And it's interesting what happened to Neville. You know, because some would say you stole the limelight a little bit there. Well, I mean, Neville could. We could have a whole episode on Neville Atkinson, but I it wouldn't paint me in a very good light. Because, well, he wore he wore one of those parkers with the okay. orange. I, I see where you're layer. going. I see where you're going. You mean it would make um, it, it would it would seem like you're laughing at him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to. I don't want to celebrate that really. So Neville, if you're listening, carry on listening. Worry, worry not. We're not gonna. Yeah. Um. I'd say what has happened is you've reminded me of something that happens in our in my in our house. If I like stub my toe or hit my head on something, right? So I'm the one in pain, right? Mm-hmm. If I hurt myself around a home and I and I usually I'm, I'm quite internal, like I just won't say anything. But if I go ah mm-hmm. like that, my partner Emma will really overreact to it and go like, oh, ah, ah. she'll like absorb. If she hurts herself or if you hurt no, you No, 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 okay. no, like I've hurt myself and, I, and I've been vocal. I've gone like, ah, like she'll double, triple that with her reaction and go like, ah, like that or something in a mm-hmm. way that I feel, and then I get all annoyed. I feel get all sensitive, like she's stealing my moment, stealing my limelight, and then I can't experience it anymore. Because I'm just feeling annoyance that she's well, that's that, just that, like empathy. Yeah, it's like, but it's like it's like over empathy. It's like taking on my pain in a way that's 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 annoying me. Right. Okay. I, I think you'd know if it happened to you. Yeah. Sorry. All right. I was I was trying to work out why you'd why you're talking about this, but yeah, you're saying that I was stealing. Neville's the one who fainted and hit. You know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I'm, I was wrong. I'm not. I'm. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I'm not blaming you. But why do you think you had that reaction? Um, I was just. Um, I think it was. I think, like I say, it was a shock to the system. The the noise and the 
I'd never experienced anyone fainting before. Uh, I was making my way in the world. Um, Climb, climbing the ladder. In, uh, you know. Climb, climb, like climbing can... the ladder in, in Bransburg in primary, making a name yeah, for yourself. Yeah. I didn't want to get, I didn't want that to be my setback. You, you didn't want you to faint. You didn't want to faint. No, no you know, now I realise, you know, I don't want anyone to faint. But at that time I was worried about myself fainting, you know, to my shame. And, and did you faint ever? Touch wood, I've never fainted. What, really? Yeah, have you ever fainted? Yeah, in, in, in choir. Right. In a church, in a church, probably about, probably about ten. In that, in the year nineteen ninety. Ninety-two. Uh, sorry, ninety-two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I fainted. Yeah, it's, I had my foot half on a step when we were standing in choir and um, fainted. But then I came back round really quick and. So did you show collapse? Go, show must go on. Sorry. Did you did you collapse? Um, I think I fell forwards and my fall was broken by the many people in front of me. Um. But um, you haven't fainted yet. Have... You haven't fainted yet. No, no. I mean, we did. Sid Little is still alive. Remember. Yeah. Eddie Large. That's... Eddie Large is dead. So what you're referring to there is a dream that I had when I was around the age of six. Um, we, we would have to rake over that old grave. But if if Sid Little, you, you're you're sat in your sitting room at the moment. If Sid Little appeared at your window looking in, you might faint. I'd faint. You would faint. Yeah, very possible. Very possibly. Yeah, yeah. It's like the opening to the film Mulholland Drive. Uh, r- remind me. Uh, I just we won't go into it, but if anyone's listening, who knows it, they'll know what I mean. Okay, okay. Well, shall 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 we go on to um the film that we'll watch this week? Yeah. yeah. So we're on to nineteen ninety one. Right. And may I say, what a film for what a film for year, what a year for film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Terminator 2. Ooh. Um, Judgment Day. Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Teenage Mutant Turtles 2. Yeah. Some real, real big hitters, real big hitters. Yeah. But um, obviously, in this podcast, we have to watch a film that we've never seen before, and we're trying to shine a light on films that maybe a few of our peers haven't seen before as well. Mm-hmm. Fellow midlifers, people y- younger than midlife like uh, Dan. Yeah, l- thanks for the writing, Dan. Lovely stuff. Um, so I've got three films, um, and I'm I'm going to make my choice out of the fil- films on the fly, to be honest. The three films I've got on my uh, shortlist are My Own Personal Idaho. I've seen 20 minutes of it. Okay, that's but, right. So, so, that, so I'd I'd say that what I'm saying is I think we could watch it. Like I, I haven't yeah. I haven't watched it. Okay, let's say it that 
my my stepsister had it on on videotape. She tapes it off the telly. Okay, so it's a Gus Van Sant film, and there's these directors, isn't there, on this podcast where we sort of we float around them a little bit, and sometimes we get to watch the film, sometimes we don't. I feel like I feel like he's one that's on a lot of shortlists, or he's definitely on a lot of my shortlists that we, we haven't got around to uh, delving into yet. Yeah, another another director that we talked about a lot is uh, Richard Linklater. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he had a film called Slacker out in uh, 1990, which I'm pretty unfamiliar with, to be honest, but I'm a big uh, Linklaterist. And then yeah. the third one of my film is a um, French film. Uh, and if I'm honest, uh, I've, got a, I've got a slight inkling that I might have seen this film, but I don't remember anything about it. Okay. And the title of that film is Delicatessen. And it's directed yeah, by I, Jean-Pierre Jeuneur. I, I don't want to see that one. I, I know what it is. I know what it is. I don't want to see it. Very dark, troubling film. I don't think it looks troubling. It's just one that was going around a lot in the DVD VHS days. Like, it was a... For, it, it, for me, that screams of a foreign film that captures the attention of the mainstream and people start buying it and I probably it probably won't end up being that that great well you know what else did it, that, uh, that this director no did? what Amelie yeah that was that was another one which was you know a nice film yeah nice film a, a nice a nice film let's say a nice film yeah he's a nice guy alright He's a nice guy. Well, okay, I think I think that's so. I mean, what are the other I'll two? Just, Idaho and um, Slacker by Linklater. Yeah. So uh, my own personal Idaho. It's a loose adaptation of Henry the Fourth by uh, Richard Shakespeare, <laughs> William Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um. Mike Waters is a gay hustler afflicted with narcolepsy. Scott Favor is a rebellious son of a mayor. Together, the two travel from Portland, Oregon to Idaho and finally to the coast of Italy in a quest to find Mike's estranged mother. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. With River and, Phoenix uh, and Keanu Reeves. Am I getting mixed up? Uh, no, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, River Phoenix and uh, Keanu Reeves. And then <clears throat> Slacker, Austin, Texas is an Eden for the young and unambitious from the unenthusiastically eccentric to the dangerously apathetic. Here, the nobly lazy can askew responsibility in favour of nursing their... Es- oh my God, this synopsis is awful, isn't it? Nursing their esoteric obsessions. I mean... I, did, I, I, I don't get why you used... Why you use Letterboxd. I, I've tried it. I, I just don't understand it. Yeah, well, that's a conversation for another day. Right. Um, I, I mean, I could literally flip a coin with this. Have you got any thoughts? I, I would, I would, I'd like to see my own private Idaho. Well, that's interesting, Chris, because you joined Letterboxd. I did. Recently. And um, I've got a little friends want to watch. Yeah. And your your name is against 
slacker, but it's not against my own private hard drive. Really, honestly. Yeah, yeah. That's. Do you know? So I'm getting mixed. I'm getting mixed messages. What I did there. So I, when I joined it, I started creating a list. I thought that I was going to have to pick this week's films. So I went through the year 91 and selected loads of films, but obviously I hadn't come across my own private Idaho. Otherwise I would have picked that. Right. Okay. Well, you're, you're an evens out here now and odds. What does that mean? You're picking films from the years with odd, with even numbers and I'm picking films uh, from that, odd. That's years. a good way to remember it. Okay. Just a little cheat that I've picked up. Okay. It's a life hack. Um, a life hack. It's a life hack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, feel, I feel like Slacker is a Sam Turner film through and through. So I'd yeah. implore you not to choose it. No, I don't, well, not like that. I mean... <laughs> I need to make some changes. Sometimes. Okay, well... No, okay, no, I'm, no. I'm gonna... I, look, I've, I've said too much. Honestly, well, honestly, well, honestly you... pick what you want. <clears throat> Well, what I've gone with is I've gone with I'm hearing what you're saying, and I'm also seeing the ratings on Letterboxd and MOPI is three point nine, whereas Slacker is uh, three point seven. So we're going to go with my own private Idaho by Gus Van Sant. Three point nine. Yeah, but it's 3. it's 9. a fair, it's a well it's Letterbox you'll find has a very um, oh out of five conservative uh, yeah 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 out of right, five, right right yeah. I thought you meant out of ten. Yeah. Great. Yeah, no, I'm happy Great. with that. Yeah. 104 minutes. Uh, and it's on, I'm afraid it's going to be a uh, an Amazon purchase. Is there a phrase that sums up this week's episode, session? I feel like the theme of the session has been... Um, a sensitivity to the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wrote something down. It wasn't that. It, what did you write down? Um, Highland toffee comes in all shapes and sizes. It's a, it's a, it's a mouthful. My Highland toffee. Yeah. It, I, as, I say as this, it's, it's, no, it's no fudge. You can you can finish your fudge within a minute. Mm, Hi, sure. Highland Toffee is a twenty minute, half an hour job. If it's a, it's a project, it's a project. It's a passion project. It's up to you. Or you can go with sensitivity. I'll work it out. Okay, I'm going to stop recording. Whoa, whoa, what do you mean? What do you wait? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop, stop! What, is that how you're going to end it? I'll work it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you haven't said you haven't said uh, you haven't said a phrase. Yeah, well, people will find out when they see it, won't they? There's two phrases there that we can pick from. Yeah, but you didn't say what the other phrase was that you were thinking of involving sensitivity. A sensitivity towards the world. Highland toffee comes in all shapes and sizes. 
Island toffee comes in all shapes and sizes. You're, That's eight words. You're you're trying to link every phrase we do to how it looks on on the Spotify thing and linking it to the film, but. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, link it. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's that's the best way of picking these, isn't it? When you think about it, that's why I'm the producer and um, you're the I'm difficult the, I'm to the manage structural, talent. I'm the structural engine engineer, and you're the bricky. <laughs> In that's a different ex, that's a different scenario, though, isn't it? Yeah. Did you call me the difficult talent? Mm. Highland toffee comes in all shapes and sizes. You say yours. I mean, I, I would take a sensitivity to the world. Okay. We'll agree to disagree. Perfect. Perfect.